Act Three of the Author's Farce by Henry Fielding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene One: The Playhouse. Enter Luckless as master of the show and manager it's very surprising that after i have been at all this expense and trouble in setting my things up in your house you should desire me to recant and now too when the spectators are all assembled and will either have the show or their money nay sir i am very ready to perform my covenants with you as i am told that some of the players do not like their parts and threaten to leave the house some to the haymarket some to the goodman's fields another is to set up two or three new playhouses in several parts of the town i have quieted all that and believe there is not one engaged in the performance but who is now very well satisfied well sir then so am i but pray what is the design or plot for i couldn't make neither heads nor tail on it why sir the chief business is the election of an arch poet or as others call him a poet laureate to the goddess of nonsense i have introduced indeed several other characters not entirely necessary to the main design for i was assured by a very eminent critic that in the way of writing great latitude might be allowed and that a writer of puppet shows might take as much more liberty than a writer of operas as an opera writer might be allowed beyond a writer of plays as for the scene it lies on the other side of the river styx and all the people in my play are dead i wish they may not be danced to with all my heart sir i depend much on the good nature of the audience but they are impatient i hear them knock with their canes let us begin immediately i think we will have an overture played on this occasion mr cedo have you not provided a new overture on this occasion i have composed one then pray let us have it come sir be pleased to sit down by mead gentlemen the first thing i present you with is punchinello the curtain draws and discovers punch in a great chair punch sings air one whilst the town's brimful of folly whilst the town's brimful of farces flocking whilst we see her asses thick as grapes upon a bunch critics whilst you smile on madness and more stupid solemn sadness sure you will not frown on punch the next is punch's wife joan enter joan what can ail my husband he is continually humming tunes though his voice be only fit to warble at hogs norton where the pigs would accompany it with organs I was in hopes death would have stopped his mouth at last, but he keeps his old harmonious humour even in the shades. Be not angry, dear Joan. Orpheus obtained his wife from the shades by charming Pluto with his music. Sirrah, sirrah, should Pluto hear you sing, you could expect no less punishment than Tantalus has. 
nay, the waters would be brought above your mouth to stop it. Truly, madam, I don't wish the same success Orpheus met with. Could I gain my own liberty, the devil might have you with all my heart. Air too. Joan, Joan, Joan has a thundering tongue, and Joan, Joan, Joan is a bold one. How happy is he who from wedlock is free, for who'd have a wife to scold one? Punch, 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 prithee think of your hunch, prithee look at your great strutting belly. Sirrah, if you dare, war with me declare, I will beat your fat guts to a jelly. They dance. Air three, Bobbing Joan. Joan, you are the plague of my life. A rope would be welcomer than such a wife. Punch, your merits had you but shared. Your neck had been longer by half a yard. Ugly witch. Son of a bitch. Would, would you, you were hanged or, or drowned, drowned in, in a, a ditch. ditch? Dance again. Since we hate like people in vogue, let us call not bitch and rogue. Gentler titles let us use. Hate each other, but not abuse. Pretty dear. Ah, ma chere, joy, joy of, of my, my life, life and, and only care. care. Dance and excellent. Gentlemen, the next is Charon and a poet. They are disputing about an affair pretty common with poets, going off without paying. Enter Sharon and a poet. Never tell me, sir. I expect my fare. I wonder what trade these authors drive in the other world. I would with as good a will see a soldier aboard my boat. A tattered red coat and a tattered black one have bilked me so often that I am resolved never to take either of them up again, unless I am paid beforehand. What a wretched thing it is to be poor. My body lay a fortnight in the other world before it was buried. And this fellow has kept my spirit a month, sunning himself on the other side the river, because my pockets were empty. Wilt thou be so kind as to show me the way to the court of nonsense? Ha! Ah, the court of nonsense! Why, pray, sir, what have you to do there? These rags look more like the dress of one of Apollo's people than of nonsenses. Why, fellow, did that never carry rags to nonsense? Truly, sir, I cannot say but I have. But it is a long time ago, I assure you. But if you are really bound thither, and are a poet, as I presume from your outward appearance, you should have brought a certificate from the goddess's agent, Mr. what you call him, the gentleman that rides odes, so finely. However, that I may not hear any more of your verses on the riverside, I'll even carry you over on her account. She pays for all her insolvent votaries. Look at that account, sir. She's the best deity to me in the shades. Spirits imported for the goddess of nonsense. Five people of great quality. Seven ordinary courtiers. Nineteen attorneys. Eleven counsellors. One hundred poets players, doctors, and apothecaries, fellows of colleges, 
and members of the Royal Society. Gentlemen, the next is one of Charon's men with a prisoner. Enter Sailor and a Sexton. Oh, no. We have caught him at last. This is Mr. Robgrave the Sexton, who has plundered so many spirits. Ah, uh, you come at last, sir. What have you to say for yourself, huh? Where are all the jewels and other valuable things you have stolen? Where are they, sir, huh? Alack, sir, I'm but a bulrock. The parish officers and others have had them all. I had only a small reward for stealing them. Then you shall have another reward here, sir. Carry him before Justice Minos. The moment he gets on the other side of the water, let him be shackled and put aboard. Exuant Sailor and Sexton Who knows whether this rogue has not robbed me too? I forgot to look in upon my body before I came away. Had you any things of value buried with you? Things of inestimable value. Six folios of my own work. Most poets of this age will have their works buried with them. The next is the ghost of a director. Enter director. Mr. Sharon, I want a boat to cross the river. Uh, you shall have a place, sir. I believe I have just room for you, unless you are a lawyer, and I have strict orders to carry no more over yet. Hell is too full of them already. Sir, I am a director. A director? What's that? A director of a company, sir. I am surprised you should not know what that is. I thought our names had been famous enough on this road. Oh, sir, I ask your honour's pardon. Will you be pleased to go aboard? I must have a whole boat by myself, for I have two wagon-loads of treasure that will be here immediately. It is as much as my place is worth to take anything of that nature aboard. Sure, sure, you shall go snacks with me, and I warrant we'd cheat the devil. I have been already too hard for him in the other world. Do you understand what security on the bottom is? I'll make your fortune. Here, take the gentleman, let him be well fettered, and carry the board away with him. Sir, here are a wagon load of ghosts arrived from England that were knocked on the head at a late election. Ah, fit out another boat immediately. But be sure to search their pockets, that they carry nothing over with them. I found a bank bill of fifty pounds the other day in the pocket of a cobbler's ghost who came hither on the same account. Sir, a great number of passengers arrived from London, all bound to the court of nonsense. Eh, some plague, I suppose, or a fresh cargo of physicians come to town from the universities. Now, gentlemen, I shall produce such a set of figures as I defy all Europe, except our own playhouses to equal. Come, put away, pray mind these figures. Enter Don Tragerio, Sir Farcical Comic, Dr. Orter, Signor Opera, Monsieur Pantomime, and Mrs. Novel. Ha! Don Tragedio, your most obedient servant. Sir Farcical. Dr. Orator, I'm heartily glad to see you. Dear Signor Opera, 
Monsieur Pantomime. Ha, mine Herr van Treppel. Mrs. Novel in the shades, too. What lucky distemper could have sent so much good company hither? A tragedy occasioned me to die, that perishing the first day, so did I. A pastoral sent me out of the world. My life went out in a hiss. Step, my vitals. A Muggletonian dog stabbed me. Air four. Sylvia, my dearest. Claps universal, applauses resounding, hisses confounding, attending my song. My senses drowned, and I fell down dead, whilst I was singing Ding Dang Dong. Well, Monsieur Pantomime, how came you by your fate? Pantomime makes signs to his neck. Broke his neck? Alas, poor gentleman, and you, mine Herr Van Trouble, what sent you hither? And you, Madame Novel? Air five. Twas when the seas were roaring. Oh, pity all the maiden condemned hard fates to prove. I rather would have laid in than thus have died for love. Twas hard to encounter deather before the bridal bed. Ah, would I have kept my brether, and lost my maidenhead. Poor lady. Come, my masters, tis a rare fresh gale. If you please, I'll show you aboard. Observe, gentlemen, how these figures walk off. The next gentleman is a blackamoor lady who comes to present you with a saraband and castanets. A dance. Now, gentlemen and ladies, I shall produce a bookseller who is the prime minister of nonsense and the poet. Enter bookseller and poet. Tis strange. Tis wondrous strange. And yet, tis true. Did you observe her eyes? Her ears, rather, for there she took the infection. She saw the signor's visage in his voice. Did you not mark how she melted when he sang? I saw her, like another Dido. I saw her heart rise up to her eyes and drop down again to her ears. That a woman of so much sense as the goddess of nonsense should be taken thus at first sight. I have served her faithfully these thirty years as a bookseller in the upper world, and never knew her guilty of one folly before. Nay, certainly, Mr. Curry, you know as much of her as any man. I think I ought, as I am sure I have made as large oblations to her as all Warwick Lane and Paternostra Row. But is she this night to be married to Signor Opera? This is to be the bridal night. Well, this will be the strangest thing that has happened in the shades since the rape of Prosperine. But now I think on it, what news bring you from the other world? Why, affairs go much in the same road there as when you were alive. Authors starve. Booksellers grow fat. Grub Street harbors as many pirates as ever Algiers did. 
They have more theatres than are at Paris, and just as much wit as there is at Amsterdam. They've ransacked all Italy for singers, and all France for dancers. And all hell for conjurers. My Lord Mayor has shortened the time of Bartholomew Fair in Smithfield, and so they're resolved to keep it all the year round at the other end of town. I find matters go swimmingly. But I fancy I am wanted, and if you please, sir, I will show you the way. Sir, I follow you. Excellent. Enter Punch. You fiddler. Well, Punch, what's the matter now? What do you think my wife Joan is about? Faith, I can't tell. Odds bods. She is got with three women of quality and quadrille. Quadrille? Ha! Ha! I have taken a resolution to run away from her and set up a trade. A trade? Why, you have no stock. Oh, but I intend to break, cheat my creditors and so get one. That bite is too stale, Master Punch. Is it? Then I'll e'en turn lawyer. There is no stock required there, but a stock of impudence. Yes, there is a stock of law without which you will starve at the bar. Ay, but I'll get upon the bench, and I shall soon have law enough. For then I can make anything I say to be law. Hush, you scurrilous rascal. Odds, bods, I have hit it now. What now? I have it at last, the rarest trade. Punch, thou art made for ever. What conceit has the fool got in his head now? I'll e'en turn parliament man. Ha! Ha! Why, sirrah, thou hast neither interest nor qualification. How? Not interest? Yes, sir. Punch is very well known to have a very comfortable interest in all the corporations of England. And for qualification, if I have no estate of my own, I can borrow one. This will never do, Master Punch. You must think of something you have a better qualification for. Ay, why then, I'll turn great man. That requires no qualification whatsoever. Get you gone, you impudent rogue. Gentlemen, the next figures are somebody and nobody come to present you with a song and a dance. Enter somebody and nobody. Air seven, black joke. Of all the men in London town, or knaves or fools in coat or gown, the representative am I. Go through the world and you will find, in all the classes of humankind, many a jolly nobody. For, For him, him a nobody. nobody. Be sure we may call, who during his life does nothing at all.
but, but eat and snore and drink and roar from whore to the tavern, from tavern to whore, with a lace coat, and that is all. Gentlemen, this is the end of the first interlude. Now, gentlemen, I shall present you with the most glorious scene that has ever appeared on the stage. It is the Court of Nonsense. Play away soft music and draw up the curtain. The curtain drawn up to soft music discovers the goddess of nonsense on a throne. The orator in a tub. Tragedio, etc., attending. Let all my votaries prepare to celebrate this joyful day. Gentlemen, observe what a lover of recitativo nonsense is. Monsieur Pantomime, you are welcome. Pantomime cuts a caper. Alas, poor gentleman, he is modest. You may speak. No words offend that have no wit in them. Why, madam, nonsense. Don't you know that Monsieur Pantomime is dumb? And let me tell you, he has been of great service to you. He is the only one of your votaries that sets people asleep without talking. But here's Don Tragedio will make noise enough. Yes, Tragedio is indeed my name, long since recorded in the rolls of fame at Lincoln's Inn and eke at Drury Lane. Let everlasting thunder sound my praise, and forked lightning in my scutcheon blaze. To Shakespeare, Johnson, Dryden, Lee, or Rowe, I not a line, no, not a thought do owe. Me for my novelty let all adore, for as I wrote, none ever wrote before. Thou art doubly welcome, welcome. That welcome, yes, that welcome is my due. Two tragedies I wrote and wrote for you, and had not hisses, hisses me dismayed. By this I'd writ two score, two score by jade. By jade, ay, that's another excellence of the dons. He does not only glean up all the bad words of other authors, but makes new bad words of his own. Nay, Ed. I have made new words, and spoiled Eldwin's too, if you talk of that. I have made foreigners break English, and Englishmen break Latin. I have as great a confusion of languages in my play as was at the building of Babel. And so much the more extraordinary, because the author understands no language at all. No language at all? Step, my vitals. Dr. Orator, I have heard of you. Ay, and you might have heard me too. I bowed loud enough, I'm sure. She might have heard you, but if she had understood your advertisements, I believe nonsense to have more understanding than Apollo. Have understood me, sir. What has understanding to do? My hearers would be diverted, and they are so, which could not be if understanding were necessary. 
because very few of them have any air you've all deserved my hearty thanks but here my treasure i bestow to opera your highness knows what reward i prize air eight lily bolera let the foolish philosopher strive in his cell by wisdom or virtue to merit true praise the soldier in hardship and danger still dwell that glory and honour may crown his last days the patriot sweat to be thought great or beauty all day at the looking-glass toil that popular voices may ring their applauses while a breath is the only reward of their coil but would you a wise man to action incite be riches proposed the reward of his pain in riches is centred all human delight no joy is on earth but what gold can obtain if women wine or grandeur fine be most your delight all these riches can would you have men to flatter to be rich is the matter when you cry he is rich you cry a great man when you cry he is rich you cry a great man bra bravissimo i long to be your wife gentlemen observe and take notice how the goddess of nonsense is smitten by music and falls in love with the ghost of signor opera if all my romance has ever pleased the ear of my goddess if i ever found favour in her sight oh do not rob me thus what means my daughter alas he is my husband but though he were your husband in the other world death solves that tie and he is at liberty now to take another and i never knew any one instance of a husband here who would take the same wife again ere nine whilst i gazed on chloe trembling may all maids from me take warning how a lover's arms they fly lest the first kind offer scorning they without a second die how unhappy is my passion how tormenting is my pain if you thwart my inclination let me die for love again again what did you die for love of your husband he knows he ought to have been so he swore he would be so yes he knows i died for love for i died in childbed why madam did you not tell me all rode hither that you was a virgin air ten highland laddie i was told in my life death for ever did dissever men from every mortal strife and that greatest plague a wife for had the priests possessed men that to tartarus wives came after us their devil would be a jest then and our devil a wife avaunt polluted wretch begone think not i'll take pollution to my arms no 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 
Well, since I can't have a goddess, I'll e'en prove a man of honour. I was always in love with thee, my angel, but ambition is a dreadful thing. However, my ghost shall pay the debts of my body. Now I am happy, verily. My long-lost dear. My new-found bud. Air 11. Dusty Miller. Will my charming creature once again receive me? Though I proved a traitor, will she still believe me? I will well repay thee for past faults of roving, nor shall any day be without proofs of loathing. O oh, that tender lily breast, while I lie panting, both together blest, both with transports fainting. Sure, sure no human, human hearts were ever so delighted. delighted. Death, Death which others parts, hath our souls united. Air twelve, over the hills and far away. Where I laid on Scotland's coast, and in my arms embraced my dear, let Scrabado do its most, I would know no grief or fear. Where we cast on island's soil, there confined in bogs to dwell, for thee potatoes I would boil, no Irish spouse should feast so well. And though we scrubbed it all the day, we'd kiss and hug the night away, Scotch and Irish both should say, Oh, oh how blessed, how blessed are they! Since my goddess is disengaged from one lover, may the humblest, yet not the least diligent of her servants, hope she would smile on him. Master Orator, you had best try to charm the goddess with an oration. The history of a fiddle and a fiddlestick is going to be held forth being particularly defined in a letter from a certain querist on that point. A fiddle is a statesman. Why? Because it's hollow. A fiddlestick is a drunkard. Why? Because it loves rosning. Gentlemen, observe how he balances his hands. His left hand is the fiddle, and his right hand is the fiddlestick. A fiddle is like a bow's nose because the bridge is often down. A fiddlestick is like a mountebank, because it plays upon a crowd. A fiddle is like a stock-jobber's tongue, because it sounds different notes. And a fiddlestick is like a stock-jobber's wig, because it has a great deal of horsehair in it. And your oration is like yourself, because it has a great deal of nonsense in it. In vain you try to charm my ills, unless by music. Haven't you, then? Gentlemen, observe how the doctor sings in his tub. Here are no wires, all alive, alive, ho! Times of the Times, to the tune of Mole Pateley. Air 13, Mole Pateley. All men are birds by nature, sir, though they have not wings to fly. On earth a soldier's a creature, sir, much resembling a kite in the sky. The position is a fowl, sir, whom most men call an owl, sir, who by his hooting, 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 tells us that death is nigh. The usurer is a swallow, sir, that can swallow gold by the jorum, 
the woodcock is squire shallow sir and the goose is oft of the quorum the gamester is a rook sir the lawyer with his cook sir is but a raven croaking 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 after the ready rhinorum young virgins are as scarce as real sir plenty as bats the night-walkers go soft italians are nightingales sir and a cock-sparrow mimics a bow like birds men are to be caught sir like birds men are to be bought sir men of a side like birds of a feather will flock together will flock together both sexes like birds will too tis all in vain is nonsense of me then forgetful grown and must the signor be preferred alone is it for this for this ye gods that i have in one scene made some folks laugh some cry for this does my low blustering language creep at once to wake you and to make you sleep and so all my puns and quibbles and conundrums are quite forgotten step my vitals more chimes of the times to the tune of rogues 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 air fourteen there was a jovial beggar the stone that all things turns at will to gold the chemist craves but gold without the chemist's skill turns all men into knaves for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go the merchant would the courtier cheat when on his goods he lays too high a price but faith his bit for a courtier never pays for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go the lawyer with a face demure hangs him who steals your pelf because the good man can endure no robber but himself for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go betwixt the quack and highwayman what difference can there be though this with pistol that with pen both kill you for a fee for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go the husband cheats his loving wife and to a mistress goes while she at home to ease her life carouses with the bows for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go that some directors cheats were some have made bold to doubt did not the supercargo's care prevent their finding out for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go the tenant doth the steward nick so low this art we find the steward doth his lordship trick my lord tricks all mankind for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go one sect there are to whole fair lot no cheating arts do fall and those are parsons called god what and so i cheat you all for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go for a cheating they will go enter sharon and please your majesty there is an odd sort of a man on the other side of the water 
says he's recommended to you by some people of quality my god i don't care to take him aboard not i he says his name is hurlaba rumbo i think he calls himself he looks like one of apollo's people in my opinion he seems to be mad enough to be a real poet take him aboard i had forgot to tell your ladyship i hear rare news they say you are to be declared goddess of wit that's no news mr charon well i'll take Rumbo aboard exit charon i must win the goddess before she arrives or else i shall lose her forever a rap at the times air fifteen when i was a dame of honour come all have heard my cushion beat confess me as full of dullness as any egg is full of meat or full moon is of fullness let the justice and his clerk both own that there's my dullness greater and tell how i've rang the town when i was a bold orator the lawyer wrangling at the bar while reverend bench is dozing the scribbler in a pamphlet war or grub street bard composing the trudging quack in scarlet cloak or coffee-house politic prater can none come up to what i have spoke when i was a bold orator the well-bred courtier telling lies or levee hunter believing the vain coquette that rolls her eyes more empty fops deceiving the parson of dissenting gang or fluttering dedicator could none of them like me harangue when i was a bold orator enter punch you 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 what's the matter punch who is that that's an orator master punch an orator what's that why an orator is egad i can't tell what he is a man that nobody dares dispute with say you so i'll be with him presently bring out my tub there i'll dispute with you i'll warrant i am a muggletonian i am not then you are not of my opinion sirrah i know that you and your whole tribe would be the death of me but i am resolved to proceed to confute you as i have done hitherto and as long as i have breath you shall hear me and i hope i have breath enough to blow you all out of the world if noise will sir i hear me sir hear him hear him hear him air sixteen hey barnaby take it for warning no tricks shall save your bacon orator orator you are mistaken punch will not be thus confuted bring forth your reasons or you are non-suited hey ho no tricks shall save your bacon orator orator you are mistaken instead of reasons advancing let the dispute be concluded by dancing tito they dance tis all in vain a virgin i will live and o oh, great senor 
take this chaplet and still wear it for my fake. Gentlemen, observe how Signor Opera is created archpert to the goddess of nonsense. And does great nonsense then at length determine to give the chaplet to that singing vermin? I do. Then, Opera, come on, and let us try whether shall wear the chaplet, you or I. Air 17. Be kind and love. Oh, spare to take his precious life away. So sweet a voice must sure your passion lay. Oh, hear his gentle murmurs first, and then, if you can kill him, I will cry Amen. Since but a song you ask, a song I'll hear. But tell him that last song is his last prayer. Air 18 Barbarous, cruel man, I'll sing thus while I'm dying. I'm dying like a swan, a swan, a swan, With my face all pale and wan. More fierce art thou than pirates, than pirates, Whom the siren's music charms, alarms, disarms. More fierce than men on the high roads, On the high roads, on the high roads. More fierce than men on the high roads, When Polly Peachum warms. The devil was made civil by Orpheus's tuneful charms, And can he gentler prove than man? I cannot do it. She's his sword. Methinks I feel my flesh congealed to bone, And know not if I'm flesh and blood or stone. Pantomime runs several times round the stage. Alas, what means Monsieur Pantomime? By his pointing to his head, I suppose he would have the chaplet. Pretty youth! Oh, my dear, how shall I express the trouble of my soul? If there be sympathy in love, I'm sure I felt it, for I was in a damnable fright, too. Give me a bus, then. Air 19, Under the Greenwood Tree In vain a thousand heroes and kings should court me to their arms, in vain should give me a thousand fine things, for thee I'd reserve my charms. On that dear breast, entranced in joy, oh, let me ever be. Oh, how I will kiss thee, how I'll embliss thee, when thou art abed with me. Oh, how I will kiss thee, how I'll embliss thee, when thou art abed with me. Alas, what mighty noise! Gentlemen, the next is a messenger. Enter messenger. Stay, goddess, nor with haste the prize bequeath. A mighty sprite now hastens here beneath. Long in the world your noble cause he fought. Your laureate there, your precepts still he taught. To his great son he leaves that laurel now, and hastens to receive one here below. I can't revoke my grant, but he shall a manager of our players be. 
the next is count ugly from the opera house in the haymarket enter count ugly too late oh mighty count you came i ask not for myself for i disdain o'er the poor ragged tribe of bards to reign me did my stars to happier fates prefer sir intendant des plaisirs d'angleterre if masquerades you have let those be mine but on the seigneur let the laurel shine what is thy plea hast written no nor read but if from dullness any may succeed to that nonsense i good title plead not else was ever in my masquerade no more by sticks i swear that opera the crown shall wear Air. Away each meek pretender flies, Opera thou hast gained the prize, Nonsense grateful still must own, Thou best support'st her throne, For her subscriptions thou didst gain, By the soft alluring strain, When Shakespeare's thought and Congreve's brought Their aids to sense in vain. Beauties who subdue mankind, Thy soft chains alone can bind, see within their lovely eyes the melting wish arise while thy sounds enchant the ear lovers think the nymph sincere and projectors and directors lose awhile their fear enter charon how now charon you are not to enter yet to enter sir alack-a-day we are all undone here are sir john bindover and the constable coming in enter sir john and constable are you the master of the puppet show yes sir then you must along with me sir i have a warrant for you sir for what for abusing nonsense sirrah people of quality are not to have their diversions libelled at this rate of what do you accuse me gentlemen shall you abuse nonsense when the whole town supports it pox aunt had this fellow stayed a few moments longer till the dance had been over i had been easy hark ye mr constable shall i only beg your patience for one dance and then i'll wait on you sirrah don't try to corrupt the magistrate with your bribes here shall be no dancing what does this fellow of a constable mean by interrupting our play air twenty one fair dorinda oh mr constable drunken rascal would i had thee at the rose mayst thou be beaten hanged up and eaten eaten by the carrion crows the filth that lies in common shores may it ever lie in thy nose may it ever lie in thy nose oh may it lie in thy nose mollify yourself madam sir john aside that is really a pretty creature it were a piece of charity to take her to myself for a handmaid constable aside very pretty very pretty truly if magistrates are to be abused at this rate the devil may be a constable for me 
Harky, madam, do ye know who we are? A rogue, sir. Madam, I am a constable by day and a justice of the peace by night. That is a buzzard by day and an owl by night. Air 22, Newmarket. Why, madam, do you give such words as these to a constable and a justice of the peace? I fancy you'll know better how to speak. By that time you've been in Bridewell a week, have beaten good hemp and been whipped at a post. I hope you'll repent when some skin you have lost. But if this makes you tremble, I'll not be severe. Come down a good guinea, and you shall be clear. Oh, Sir John, you, I am sure, are the commander in this enterprise. If you will prevent the rest of our show, let me beg you will permit the dance. Air 23. Charming Betty. Sweetest honey, good Sir Johnny, prithee let us take a dance. Leave your canting, zealous ranting, come and shake a merry haunch. Motions firing, sounds inspiring, we are led to softer joys, where in trances each soul dances, music then seems only noise. Verily I am conquered. Pity prevaileth over severity, and the flesh hath subdued the spirit. I feel emotion in me, and whether it be of grace or no, I am not certain. Pretty maid, I cannot be deaf any longer to your prayers. I will abide the performing dance, and will myself, being thereto moved by an inward working, accompany you therein, taking for my partner that reverend gentleman. Then strike up. Enter Whitmore, Mrs. Moneywood, Harriet, Bantamite. Long live His Majesty of Bantam. Heaven preserve him. Your gracious father, sir, greets you well. What in the devil's name is the meaning of this? I find he is entirely ignorant of his father. Ay, sir, it is very common in this country for a man not to know his father. What do you mean? His features are much altered. Sir, I shall alter your features if you proceed. Give me leave to explain myself. I was your tutor in your earliest days, sent by your father, his present majesty Francis the Fourth, King of Bantam, to show you the world. We arrived at London. When one day, among other frolics, our ship's crew shooting the bridge, the boat overset, and all of our company, I and your royal self, were only saved by swimming to Billingsgate. But though I saved my life, I lost for some time my senses, and you, as then I feared, forever. When I recovered, after a long, fruitless search for my royal master, I set sail for Bantam, but was driven by the winds on far distant coasts and wandered several years till at last I arrived once more at Bantam. Guess how I was received. The king ordered me to be imprisoned for life. At last, some lucky chance brought thither a merchant who offered 
this jewel as a present to the king of Bantam. Ha! It is the same which was tied upon my arm, which by good luck I preserved from every other accident, till want of money forced me to pawn it. The merchant, being strictly examined, said he had it of a pawnbroker, upon which I was immediately dispatched to England, and the merchant kept close prisoner, till my return, then to be punished with death, or rewarded with the government of an island. Know then that at that time when you lost your senses, I also lost mine. I was taken up half dead by a waterman and conveyed to his wife, who sold oysters, by whose assistance I recovered. But the waters of the Thames, like those of the Lethe, had caused an entire oblivion of my former fortune but now it breaks in like light upon me and i begin to recollect it all is not your name gonsalvo it is embrace oh my gonsalvo oh my dearest lord but say by what lucky accident you discovered me i did intend to have advertised you in the evening post with a reward but being directed by the merchant to the pawnbroker, I was accidentally there inquiring after you when your boy brought your nab. Oh, sad remembrance that the son of a king should pawn a hat. The woman told me that was the boy that pawned the jewel, and of him I learnt where you lodged. Prodigious fortune! A windhorn without enter messenger an express is arrived from bantam with the news of his majesty's death then sir you are king long live henry the first king of bantam long live the first king of bantam which more I now may repay your generosity. Fortune has repaid me, I am sure, more than she owed by conferring this blessing on you. My friend, but here I am indebted to the golden goddess for having given me an opportunity to aggrandize the mistress of my soul and set her on the throne of Bantam come madam now you may lay aside your mask so once repeat your acclamations long live henry and harriet king and queen of bantam Huzzah! 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 air twenty four gently touch the warbling lyre let others fondly court a throne all my joys in you alone let me find a crown in you, let me find a sceptre too, equal in the court or grove. I am blessed, do you but love. Were I not with you to live, Bantam would no pleasure give. Happier in some forest I could upon that bosom lie. I would guard you from all harms while you slept within my arms. Would an Alexander rise? him i'd view with scornful eyes 
would helen with thy charms compare her i'd think not half so fair dearest shall thou ever be thou alone shalt reign in me i hope your majesty will pardon a poor ignorant constable i did not know your worship i assure you pardon you ay more you shall be chief constable of bantam you sir john shall be chief justice of peace you sir my orator you my poet laureate you my bookseller you don tragedio sir farcifal signor opera and count ugly shall entertain the city of bantam with your performances mrs novel you shall be a romance writer and to show my generosity monsieur marplay you shall superintend my theatres all proper servants for the king of bantam i always thought he had something more than ordinary in him this gentlewoman is the queen's mother for want of a better gentleman air twenty five o ponder well alike how altered is my fate what changes have i seen for i who lodgings that of late am now again a queen and i who in this puppet show have played punchinello will now let all the audience know i am no common fellow if his majesty of bantam will give me leave i can make a discovery which will be to his satisfaction you have chose for a wife henrietta princess of old brentford when the king of old brentford was expelled by the king of the new the queen flew away with her little daughter then about two years old and was never heard of since but i sufficiently recollect the fizz of my mother and thus i ask her blessing oh my son oh my brother oh my sister i am sorry in this pickle to remember who i am but alas too true is all you've said though i have been reduced to let lodgings i was the queen of brantford and this though a player is a king's son enter joan then i am a king's daughter for this gentleman is my husband my daughter my, my sister. sister my wife strike up kettle drums and trumpets punch i will restore you into your kingdom at the expense of my own i will send an express to bantam for my army brother i thank you and now if you please we will celebrate these happy discoveries with a dance a dance taught by my fate let never bard despair though long he drudge and feed on grub street air since him at last tis possible to see as happy and as great a king as me epilogue four poets sitting at a table brethren 
we are assembled here to write an epilogue which must be spoke to-night let the first lines be to the pit addressed if critics too were mentioned it were best with fulsome flattery let them be crammed but if they damn the play let them be damned supposing therefore brother we should lay some very great encomiums on the play it cannot be amiss now mount the boxes abuse the bows and compliment the doxies abuse the bows but how oh never mind in every modern epilogue you'll find enough which we may borrow of that kind what will the name of imitation soften oh sir you cannot say good things too often and sure those thoughts which in another shine become not duller by becoming mine i'm satisfied the audience is already divided into critic beau and lady nor box nor pit nor gallery can show one who's not lady critic or a beau it must be very difficult to please fancy so odd so opposite as these the task is not so difficult as put there's one thing pleases all what is that smut for as a whore is liked for being tawdry so is an epilogue for i order you on pain of my departure not to chatter one word so very savoury of the creature for by my pen might i parnassus or i'd not to gain it all offend the fair you are too nice for say whate'er we can their modesty is safe behind a fan well let us now begin but we omit an epilogue's chief decoration wit it hath been so but that stale custom's broken though dull to read twill please you when tis spoken enter the author fie gentlemen the audience now hath stayed this half hour for the epilogue tis not made how then i value not your aid of that i'll have the epilogue spoken by a cat puss 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 enter cat i'm in a rage when cats come on poets should leave the stage excellent poets poor puss come hither pretty rogue who knows but you may come to be in vogue some ladies like a cat and some a dog enter a player cats 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 fie mr luckless what can you be doing with that filthy cat exit cat oh cursed misfortune what can i be doing this devil's coming in has proved my ruin she's driven the cat and epilogue away sure you are mad and know not what you say mad you may call me madam but you'll own i hope i am not madder than the town a cat to speak an epilogue speak no only to act the epilogue in dumb show dumb show why 
pray is that so strange in comedy and have you not seen perseus and andromeda where you may find strange incidents intended and regular intrigues begun and ended though not a word doth from an actor fall and tis polite to speak in murmurs small sure tis politer not to speak at all but who is this enter cat as a woman i know her not i that am now a woman lately was a cat turns to the audience gallants you seem to think this transformation as strange as was the rabbit's procreation that tis as odd a cat should take the habit of breeding us as we should breed a rabbit i'll warrant eating one of them would be as easy to a bow as kissing me i would not for the world that thing should catch us cries scared sir plume forget my lord she'd scratch us yet let not that deter you from your sport you'll find my nails are paired exceeding short but ha what murmurs through the benches roam the husbands cry we've cat enough at home <laughs> this transformation can be strange to no man there's a great likeness twixt a cat and woman changed by her lover's earnest prayers we're told a cat was to a beauteous maid of old could modern husbands thus the gods prevail on oh gemini what wife would have no tail on puss would be seen where madam lately sat and every lady townly be a cat say all of you whose honeymoon is over what would you give such changes to discover and waking in the morn instead of bright to find poor pussy purring by your side say gentle husbands which of you would curse and cry my wife is altered for the worse should to our sex the gods like justice show and at our prayers transform our husbands too many a lord who now his fellow scorns would then exceed a cat by nothing but his horns so plenty then would be those foes to rats henley my proof that all mankind are cats Venus. End of Act Three. End of the Author's Farce by Henry Fielding.